you the brain that you use to get somewhere in your position. When I was the manager in California, I had the governor look at me one time and he said, Arthur, what do you think about this and should we do this? And I looked at him and I said, sir, I need about a 10-minute break. Could I have a 10-minute break? Can we just have about a 10-minute break here? I'll come back and answer your question, but I need about a 10-minute break first. And I remember he said, okay, and I walked out of that room, and I went into my cubicle, and I got on my knees right there beside the chair. And I said, Jesus, I don't know the answer, but I know you do. Would you give it to me so I can give it to them? And I said, Lord, I'll promise to let them know that it was your answer, not mine. He gave me the answer, and I went back and gave the answer, and I said, I just prayed, and God told me, this is the answer, so I'm giving it to you. And that's what happened. They did exactly what God had told me to do. And it worked out great. So I can tell you from experience, when you will allow God to lead, and you will allow God to give you the answers, you won't go wrong. Amen. I've got a message on my heart that I was going to, I wanted to preach something else, and I talked to my wife about it. But as I prayed this week, and God put a message on my heart, and I, I'll be honest, I said, God, why do you want me to preach this? And he said, you don't know who's going to be there Sunday. I said, okay, I'll preach what you put in my heart. If you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter number 7, we're going to read verses 3 through 9. I'll try to read them as quickly as possible. 2 Kings Chapter 7, verses 3 through 9. Keep the Bible quizzers and their families in your prayers this week. They're going to be down there. I know you think they're having a good time, but sometimes it's not all that fun. And sometimes you're waiting for hours for your next quiz and you don't dare leave because they could, someone could cancel their quiz and all at once you're up. Brother Chad, when they were at finals one year, they weren't, didn't think they had to quiz till 10 o'clock. So they decided to sleep in. The other team forfeited and at 8.30 the cry went out for their team and they were in bed sleeping and all at once they forfeited and lost their second game because they were not there. And so they went to nationals and lost nationals by not even being there. So it's not something where you just can play around. It's something you have to be on time. You have to be there waiting because you don't know what's going to happen. Second Kings chapter 9 verse number 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we'll die here. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we just die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they came to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold... There was no man there, for the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses and even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they rose and fled into the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. 
And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into the one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and they hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried there thence also and then went and hid it. And then they said one to another, We do not well this day is a day of good tidings and we should hold our peace. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. If you'd bow your head with me just for a minute this morning, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your mighty presence, for your anointing in this place. We ask you today that your word would go forth with power and authority, Lord, touching hearts and minds. Change us, mold us, and make us, I pray today. Close to you, draw us into you. Wrap your arms of love around us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Now, the verse of scripture I read to you is in 2 Kings where the Syrians had surrounded the city of Samaria. And it was at that time there was a great famine. The fact is when you read it, they said they sold the dung of a dove for so much and everybody thought it was like having a chicken breast. They would sell the jawbone of a donkey for so much and everybody thought they had a flaming young because the famine was so great they would take anything to eat I don't know if you've ever really been hungry. Usually in America, we don't have to get too hungry. There's somewhere that we can eat. There's something that we can eat. But I know each one here, if I went about this room, there's something you don't like. There's some kind of food you just do not like. I do not like sweet potatoes. I think they're awful. My wife likes them. I do not like them. I think if you're going to eat potatoes, eat the white ones. Of course, now I come to find out them white ones, they're not so good for you. But they're still good, the better ones. So ask little Pace and she'll tell you, let's go get the french fries. A while back I bought her some hash browns and ones that you get at McDonald's that you can fry. And I'd fry them for her and her nana said, let's not be doing that. That's not good for her. I said, okay, but she likes it, so I do it for her. And so we ran out of them, so I didn't get no more. The other day, she talked her non into buying her more hash browns. <laughs> so there's things we like, there's things we don't like. But when you get into a famine, and you don't have nothing to eat, you're willing to change some things. And when we get into a place in our life where we don't know which way to go, and we're stumped, and our heart is hurting, and our senses are all mixed up. And we don't know how we're going to come through it or we don't know how we're going to come out of it. That is a time we will stop and we will back up and say, I need some direction. And that's usually a time when we will listen. And the problem is many times we listen to things that will say what we want them to hear. We do not exactly listen to what we need to hear. These men were outside of the walls of Samaria. They were lepers. They couldn't go in. But all at once they said, okay, hold it here. We got a problem. We're hungry. We're starving. They're starving inside of those walls. There's no sense in us going into the city. Here's the Syrians camped around about us. And if we go there, what can happen that's not going to happen where I'm at? We're dying now. 
If we go into their camp, what can they do more than kill us? We're dead anyway. You know, when you're at a point where you, between a rock and a hard spot, and you think about it a little bit, it's not so hard to come out of it. Because you've made up your mind, I'm going to get out. I met a guy one time that he was in Colorado hiking, and a boulder come down on his arm, and he had to cut his arm off himself to get out of there because he couldn't get the boulder off his arm. Otherwise, he was going to die. Now, that takes a lot of courage and want to live when you begin to cut your own arm off. But he's there, he said his hand was smashed, and he just began to cut it off. He took a hunting knife and cut his own arm off. But when you think about it, your will to live is greater than any will you have. And if you'll take that same will and we'll direct it towards serving God, our will to serve God will become greater than our will to live. Because when we put our will with God's will, we got supernatural power. We don't have supernatural power within ourselves. We have adrenaline. And our adrenaline will keep us and take us through things. I've seen people, I watched my dad one time, a tractor flipped onto a boy, and he picked the tractor up and pulled, we pulled the boy out. He couldn't hardly lift the tire otherwise, but he picked the tractor up. Adrenaline will make you do things, but adrenaline can't take you through the times of life when you have to make up your mind, I'm going to serve God. But a will to live, the will to serve God will, because through the power and anointing of the Holy Ghost, you have supernatural power. And you can look at the devil and you can say, devil, I'm not going to stay here because I'm dying where I'm at and uh, you're going to kill me. So I'm not going to go back into your place of famine. I'm going to go out and I'm going to face the enemy and I'm going to take you down. If I die in the fight, I die in the fight. But I might just get something to eat. And those lepers went out into the camp, and as they were going, all at once the Syrians, God made their footsteps of four sound like 4,000. And they said, oh, oh, we're in trouble. You know, what you hear sometimes can mess you up. Because what we think we hear will really mess us up. You ever been gossiped to? You ever been gossiped about? And it come back to you? I always ask two questions. When someone comes and wants to gossip to me, the first question I ask them, why do you feel comfortable telling me this? It's the first thing I want to know. The second thing I want to know is what have I done that you think that I will partake in this? Because I don't want somebody coming to me and gossiping. I know very well as soon as they leave me, they're going to do the same about me. So when someone wants to come to you and talk to you about somebody else, remember, they're doing the same thing when they leave you. They're talking to that person about you. And I've never found a gossiper that had anything real good to say. Usually what they say is negative and derogatory. They never, oh, did you see them? Did you see how they worshiped? That's not gossiping, is it? The gossip is when you want to bring someone down. But sometimes our disease, what we got 
in our systems, but we carry on our shoulders is what will stop and make us bold and will make us say, I'm tired of it. I'm not going to die here. I'm not going to die here. I want to talk to someone this morning about this subject. There's a leper in the king's house. There's a leper in the king's house. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read about Gehazi. Gehazi was a servant of Elisha. Now, Gehazi, Elisha is the one who gave Gehazi the rod when the little boy died of the Shunammite woman and said, I want you to go there this rod across the child. And Gehazi done it. Gehazi is the one who Elisha sent. They asked the Shunammite woman, is all well? And she said, all is well. Is all well with thy husband? All is well. Is all well with thy son? She said, all is well. When her dead son was laying on the bed of the prophet, when all wasn't well, but she spoke it in faith, she said, all is well. Gehazi is the one that when the Syrian Naaman came and wanted healed from leprosy, that Elisha said, told him, you tell him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. But then Gehazi was the one who after he went and dipped seven times the Jordan River and was healed, he went running after him. And behind the man of God's back, behind Elisha's back, he said, we want the talent of silver. We want two changes of raiment. We want what you offered. And when he came back, Elisha looked at him and said, where you been? He said, I've been nowhere. He said, no, didn't my spirit go with you? Aren't we close enough that you don't think I know where you went? See, Gehazi was the one who looked around and seen the armies all around him. And Elisha prayed and said, God, open his eyes. And when his eyes were opened, he seen the host of heaven surround about him, and he longer was scared. It was Gehazi that seen those miracles. And now it's Gehazi that ran and took what the prophet told him not to take. And now he's standing in front of the prophet, and he's lying to him. They say, and I didn't take it. And the prophet looks at him. And he said, from here on, you and your seed will have leprosy. A man who'd seen the miracles. A man who'd been around it for years. A man who'd seen the poison in the pot change so people could eat it. A man who'd seen many fed when there wasn't nothing to eat. Now he's the man standing there with leprosy. And it's not only him, but all his seed, his family, also is going to bear the leprosy. Do you think Gehazi, when he went running after Naaman, do you think he realized what it was really going to do in his family? Do you think he really took a look at it and he could see with the actions he was taking, this is going to affect my entire family? My boys from here on out are going to have leprosy. They're going to be rejects of the community. They're not going to be allowed nowhere any longer because now they're going to be sentenced to death with me. Do you think he thought about that when he went running after Naaman? And he said, I want the talent of silver. I want the changes of raiment. We don't think about those things when we decide 
to turn around and we take the things God has given us and begin to use it for our own good. We don't think about those things when the anointing comes upon us and we all at once turn the anointing of God and use it for carnal things to benefit us and provide for us and to further us. But when we will stop and we'll realize what happened to Gehazi, we can stop and realize if I don't follow after God, there's a curse that will follow into my family that they're going to have to deal with. And the leprosy is going to come upon them. When they didn't do nothing, it was me. I want you to understand today that Gehazi didn't plan for his boys and him to be lepers. He planned for them to be rich. He planned to take the talents that he had gotten from Naaman. He planned to take the raiment he had gotten from Naaman and take them to his family and provide for his family. When you think you can leave the things of God just because you need to provide for your family, you can walk away and say, I don't need church that much. I need the money more than I need the church. I need to make a living. My friend, you're so badly mistaken. You need God more than you need anything else. comes a time we have to stop and say, I made up my mind. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, the devil's good at offering us many things to try to lure us away. And the greater the anointing upon you, the greater the gift God has given you, the greater God's plan is for you, the greater enticement there will be upon you. You don't offer someone a million dollars for a penny. You only offer them a million dollars for a million dollars. When the devil starts to offer you things, friend, back up. Because God is trying to get a hold of you and the devil realizes what's coming on. He's not going to fight a battle he doesn't need to fight. He's only going to go after something that he knows is going to come after him if he don't take it first. According to the tradition of the rabbis in the Jewish tradition, the four lepers that were outside the walls of Samaria were Gehazi and his three sons. Now I looked through the Bible and I studied it. It doesn't say that. But according to the rabbi tradition, the Jewish history, that's what they say that in 2 Kings chapter 7, that Gehe- the four lepers were Gehazi and his three sons. The name Gehazi simply means valley of vision. You see, the Gehazi had a vision. He had such a vision that he became Elisha's servant. And Elisha thought that the Gehazi would turn out to be what he was to Elijah. That Gehazi would begin to carry that anointing as he passed. But as Gehazi seen the vision, he also seen what could come with the vision. And so he decided that the vision he had, he would use it for his carnal selfishness until instead of for his spiritual goodness. We have to be very careful. 
Because the greater revelation God gives us and the greater vision God gives us, the greater responsibility we hold onto him. You cannot become an Olympic gymnast sitting at a buffet. I guarantee you, if I took off running down this aisle and I started turning backflips and somersaults in the air, some of you would lose your mind. <laughs> We'd probably lose the floor. But if little Kiara came here and she took off running and started turning backflips, you'd probably think nothing of it because she can do it. Her mother could do it at that age too. Why? The reason is you don't become a gymnastics Olympian sitting at a buffet. I don't look like no Olympian unless I'm going to be a sumo wrestler. That's the only Olympic event I could probably enter. And then the belt might not fit me. But there's a vision God gives us, and we got to stop, and we have to understand God gave it to me. When God gives you a word, and someone walks up to you and says, I just need to give you a word, and God gives you a word, my friend, stand on it. Protect it. Because what God's about to do is not a joke. It is not just something that's being said. He's given you a word, a provision, a word to watch out. Because he realizes that if I give you a word, when the devil comes, you're going to recognize that's the devil. I have to protect this word he gave me. A couple of weeks ago, Brother Dornbach preached on the blind man and the mud that Jesus spit in the mud and they put the mud in the blind man's eyes. Well, he was just proving he was a God of creation, that he made us out of the dust of the earth. And he was able to spit in that dust and take it and put it in his eye. And then he said, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam. What you don't realize is Jesus said, if you'll go wash in the pool of Siloam, I will heal you and give you back your sight. But the pool of Siloam happened to be two and a half miles away, down about 500 steps, is an aqueduct that goes under Jerusalem that the blind man had to get to. And he had to believe the word of God to go all that way. Now, you and I, maybe two two and a half miles is not too far. But I want you to close your eyes for a while and see how many people you can't bump into around this church. You and I aren't so good at that, are we? Our senses are not adapted to it. Even though he'd been blind, he still had two and a half miles down hundreds of steps to go down under, the, under Jerusalem to the aqueduct system where the pool of Siloam lies. There is something we have to do when God gives us a vision and a word. We have to act upon it. We have to act upon it. But Gehazi, he didn't. He acted upon it, but he took the wrong direction. And now his whole family was suffering. So now it looks like he's outside of the walls of Samaria with his boys. And he says, well, boys, we're going to die here. We're going to die if we go in there because they're starving. The only place there's any food around here is if we get 
into that Sumerian army camp. They've got the food. Let's go. We have nothing to lose. And someone here this morning, I want you to know something. You have nothing to lose. You walked in this place. You're so stumbled up. You're so messed up. You don't know where to turn right now. And God is saying, if you'll just turn to me, I want to take the leprosy in your life, and I want to bring you back into the king's house. I want to change it around. You may have leprosy, but I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am the mighty God. I am the everlasting father, and I am the prince of peace, and I will heal you. I will meet you at the point of your need if you will let me. The question is, will you let me? Were they going to get out of their place of leprosy, stand up and make the walk, not knowing just what was going to happen when they get there? Sounds like the walk to the altar, don't it? When you stood up and you said, I got to go to an altar. But when I get there, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But God, I'm going to trust you. And so you put your trust in God and you stepped out of a pew. And you made your way to an altar where you bowed your knees to Jesus. Here I am. Everything I am, everything I'm not, I give it to you. Please forgive me. And as the Spirit of God began to touch you and he filled you with the Holy Ghost, everything changed. Everything became enlightened. And you felt the leprosy that you once carried. And you watched your family carry with you as it began to dry up and it began to fall off. And little by little, as you obeyed God, you watched that leprosy, little by little, as it passed off your family. Yeah, they went into the camp of the Syrians. The Syrians ran. And all at once, the king of Syria wanted to talk to Gehazi. He, but he wanted to talk to Gehazi about Elisha. He said, come tell me all about this man. Because you see, Elisha was, every time the king would try to attack somewhere, Elisha would tell everybody what was going on. Well, he's going to attack over here, so just go over there and wait for him. I heard a story one time about a man in Wisconsin. The man, he lived on a farm, he didn't have a lot of money. He had land. He had cows. You know, when you milk cows for a living, there's not a lot of money in it. I know we was, we was dairy farmers, and I had to get up every morning and go out there every night and milk them stupid, ugly cows. They were not my friends. I didn't like them. When they'd go outside and they'd come in the evening you turn to say something, that's when they thought they should swish their tail around and smack you right across the mouth with it. And you knew where their tail had been all day long outside. So they were not your good friend. But they did provide for us. We had milk. We had cheese. We had meat. We had chickens. We had a big garden. There was nine of us. And you see me, you see nine of us this size, you understand. My mother would peel 10 pounds of potatoes and cook a half a cow, and we'd have dinner. It wasn't quite that bad, but a lot of times I bet it seemed like it to her. But this old guy, he 
didn't have a lot of money, so he decided he couldn't butcher his cows. But he had all this land, and he had planted alfalfa, and he had planted corn. And he had these little brown things with white tails that came out there and ate his crops. They were called deer. And he said, I'm going to eat the deer. I'm providing for the deer. I'm going to eat the deer. Well, Wisconsin doesn't like you shooting their deer except during the deer season. So this game warden, he knew that this guy, his name was Pete. He knew old Pete was doing this. So he said, I'm going to catch old Pete at it. He's been at it too long. So he got up real early in the morning. He went out there and sat at the edge of the woods. About 5.30, 6 o'clock, the lights came on in Pete's house, and the smoke started up out of the chimney. About 6.30, Pete comes to the door, and he says, Hey, Bob, come on in. I know you're out there sitting there waiting for me. Just come on in and have coffee. It's cold out there. And Bob went in, had coffee. This happened five, six times. He kept trying. Finally, he was retiring, and he went over to Pete's house, and he said, you know, I retired yesterday. He said, I need to know something. Every time I came over here, you knew I was here. How did you know? And Pete said, or Pete looked at Bob, and he said, Bob, let me tell you something. I never knew if you were out there. For the last 30 years, every morning, I went to that door and invited you to come have coffee. If you came and had coffee, we had coffee. If you didn't, I went and got a deer. Sometimes we got to recognize, devil, I know you're waiting for me. So I'm just going to, come on, won't you come fight? And if you don't come fight, I'm going to have victory. If you come fight, we'll just have a little battle, but I'll have victory tomorrow because you're not going to be back again. Because the Bible said you resist the devil, he'll flee. He's not coming back for another whooping. And Gehazi realized, you know what, I'm going to go here. If, if we get the food, we get the food. And they got there, and the whole camp was empty. Well, Gehazi, being his selfish self, what did he do? We read it. said they grabbed the stuff and began to hide it, didn't they? Just like he did before. I'm going to get the goods and hide them. Then he said, uh-oh, I've been here before. You ever catch yourself right in the middle of something? And you said, oh, man, I've been here before. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. We got to turn this around right now. You just turn around and say, I'm sorry. I can't do this. Well, back you went. And you straighten it out. Well, that's what Gehazi said. And he said, We got to go tell the king. We can't be doing this. This has been my character. And all at once, he's called by the king of Syria to come tell him all about Elisha because Elisha has been reading the king's mail. Someone reads your mail, don't get scared of them. When they read your mail, just recognize, you know what? God's trying to keep me. God's trying to talk to me. God's trying to help me. It's not because God's trying to punish me that he's letting somebody know. Because generally, when he tells somebody something, I'll just clue you in. It's not for them to tell everybody else. They tell you. 90% of the time, all they do is pray about it. But 10% of the time, God tells them, you go tell them. And you go tell them and trust them because they tell anybody they may tell your pastor and that's about the only one they don't go spreading it so when someone walks up to you and gives you a word don't get scared of it because I believe there's people in this church that have anointings upon them they have callings upon them they have the hand of God on them 
and things are going to start happening in their lives, and you got to be ready for it. But you also, some of you need to stop and realize, I got leprosy, and I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of carrying it. But now I've made up my mind. I see where there is a place of plenty. I see where I can go to get all that I need. And I'm not staying here outside the gates as a leper any longer. I'm going into the encampment. God will go before me. I've been scared of an enemy that does not exist. They were all gone. They ran before them. They thought they were a great army. And you're facing an enemy that is trying to intimidate you, but he is going to run from you when you come at him. He is going to depart. I don't know how God took four footsteps and made it sound like thousands coming at him. But my Bible says one can send 10,000 to flight. Two can send, uh, one can send 1,000 to flight. Two can send 10,000 to flight. If that's the case, then four can put 40,000 to flight. And they heard it coming, and they went to flight, and they ran out of there. And now Gehazi has been invited to come into the king's place and tell the king. And he gets there and he says, oh, king, let me tell you about a Shunammite woman. She made a place for a prophet in her life. She made a home for the prophet to stay at her home. She made a place in her home. And she had a little boy. And the little boy one day got sunstroke and he died. But she brought the prophet. She got a hold of the prophet. And she said, my son, my miracle that you give me is dead. You ever had a miracle die in your life and you're wondering what I got to do to have it back? Well, I'm going to tell you what you got to do. You got to get a hold of the prophet of God. And you got to say, I will follow what you say. I will do what you do. I will follow in your footsteps. Because that prophet laid on that little boy. He got mouth to mouth. He got hand to hand. He got foot to foot. You walk with him. You hand in hand with him. You work with him. You listen to him. And the prophet can bring the miracles of God back into your life. Gehazi said, listen to me. I was there when we were surrounded by a great army and God opened my eyes. And there was a great host about us and there were more for us than against us. You ever been there when you thought you was beaten? And you know, once God had to open your eyes, you said, I got more around for me than I got against me. Every time you open up the word of God to Ezekiel, you can begin to read that how old Lucifer, he went against, and he thought, I can be as the most high. And God kicked them out of heaven, and Jesus said, I seen Satan as a bolt of lightning fall from heaven. As his glory left him, all the beauty he thought he had left him. And when he fell down, he became a dark angel. He was no longer enlightened. He was no longer beautiful. And you begin to read there, and it says that one-third of the angels were kicked out of heaven. I don't know about you, but when I'm going up against one person and I got two people by my sides, there's three of us against one, I don't know how many times you could lose. And that's how God has set it up for us if we'll just realize it. When we go against the enemy, it's three against one. It's me, my Jesus, and all his angels. I got the warring angels. I've got the messenger angels that are with me. And when I will worship him, I be take the place of the worshiping angels and all heaven comes into order and all power of heaven comes into order. And Naaman began to tell the king this. And then we realize the leper, the man who had leprosy, if the musicians would come, 
the man who had brought his family down and didn't really mean to. He was just trying to get ahead. But he didn't follow after the commands of God. The man who thought he could take the shortcuts has now went and has told the king he hasn't tried to keep it for himself no more. He's learned his lesson. And now the man is standing in the king's house. He's supposed to be the unclean He's supposed to be the one nobody would be around. He's supposed to be the one that nobody wants to see. He's supposed to be the one that's contaminated. He's supposed to be the one that stinks. He's supposed to be the one that's just rotten. If you'd stand here this morning. But now you see there's a leper in the king's house. Where does the king live? The king lives in the palace. So what you see is there's a leper in the throne room. There's a leper in the throne room. How long has it been since the devil's tied you down because of something you've done, because of condemnation, because he's told you you couldn't get back? And you've wished one more time you could just go into the throne room. I want you to know something here this morning. God is calling you. He's saying you may have things. You may have sores on you. You may be unclean. And yes, I understand there was no unclean thing that they could take and sacrifice unto God as Brother Kevin talked about this morning. But Jesus died on a cross and he shed his blood that you and I, when we used to have to holler unclean, unclean, can now walk up and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And let his precious blood cover me. And I'm no longer unclean. And I can walk into the throne room of the king of glory. There could be a leper in the throne room again today. There's a leper in the king's house. I'm one of them lepers that stand in the king's house. I don't stand here because I was always good. I don't stand here because I got it all together. I'll be honest, you look up my record, you'll have a lot of reading to do. Because you can go to every county around where I was raised and my name's under all of those jails. I'll just be honest with you. Some of those things you see, you'll just shake your head at. So I don't deserve to be here. Just because my dad was a preacher, he didn't make me no good. I still had to go to Jesus to say, God, I'm sorry for myself. Just because my mother is a great woman, it didn't make me any good. When I was 19 years old, she looked at me. She said, you are the meanest, most hateful person I have ever seen in my life and for a mother to tell her son that especially my mother you better believe it had to be true so I don't deserve to be here but God had mercy on me and he let a leper come back into his house he made a way for the leper to come back to the throne And I want to invite you this morning, 
You've been walked away from God. You felt like you had a disease. Condemnation's been on your life for a long time. And you felt you've had leprosy around certain things. The devil's been lying to you. Come on to the throne. Because you can be a leper in the king's house. The king knows what to do with lepers. He just cleanses them. And then he says, go show yourself to the priest that you can be declared clean. Would you come this morning? Would you give your life back to God? Would you say, God, here I am. Here I am. I don't have much to offer you. I don't know what I can give you. Lord, I come with a lot of mistakes. I come with a lot of messes in my life today. But God, I bring it to you. And I'm going to lay it down before you. Because God, I know you will accept me. I know you'll forgive me. I know your blood can cover all my sin. Lord, I know I may be a leper, but I'm coming to the King of Kings. I'm coming to the throne room of the Lord of Lords. Oh